discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. I want you to give Jesus a big shout if you have a voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may kindly take your seats in heavenly places where you belong. Are you excited to be in church? Ask anybody, are you excited to be in church? Wow. Jesus is wonderful, right? Hallelujah. What a blessing. It's good to see everybody. Well, this morning, you know, I've been trying to, I was trying to start this series called Not of Works. Yes, but I'm still holding on to it for some time. Hallelujah. All right, so I want to share with you, um, just still on what I shared with you during um, the Believers' Convention. Um, last week, I don't know if you remember what I shared, that brief thing I shared last week. How many of you remember what I spoke on last week? What did I, what did I share on? Do you remember? Last Sunday. But do you remember the verses I mentioned? How many of you remember the verses I mentioned? Yes. Romans chapter 4, right? And 1 Peter 3, verse 8. 18, rather. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember. Right. So I was, I was trying to mention how that truly you've been forgiven. A lot of people still don't believe it all. I was mentioning how Jesus actually came to die for. It's since he came to die for. It's your sin he came to die for. So carrying it around doesn't make sense. Do you see? Yeah. Carrying it around doesn't what? It doesn't make sense. The blessings of the gospel. Gospel means good news. And actually, it's an, it's an exaggeration. The word gospel in the Bible is actually too good, too good to be true news. How is God being angry at If I come and tell you that God is angry at you, is that good news? Some people feel that when we, we, should, we should say, God is not happy with you. One preacher was mentioning how he was in a certain church where the preacher was preaching. He stood on the pulpit. The preacher jumped onto the pulpit. Okay. You know, this, this pulpit, you can't jump on it. It's intentional so that you don't jump on it. But their purpose where it's built on the stage. Some are concrete. Uh-huh. Built on the stage. Part of the stage. And so something like that's an altar. And the man stood on it. Held the microphone and was looking at the people down there. God is angry at you. God is not pleased with you. God is not happy with you. God is... The... Listen, don't depend on someone's opinion about God to form your opinion about God. You need to go to the Bible and find out who this God is on your own. Someone's mother died. And was told that God is the one who took the, 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 the woman. 
I was hearing a story of a, a very big time um, Christian television, you know, somewhere in the world, and the, the owner is a family. And the owner, the main guy, had a sister who was very young, child, and then she died. And when she died, they were told that it is God who took the child. God is the one who killed the child and took the child away. And this man changed. He became so offended. He changed and is, is now an agenda. He has an assignment of letting everybody know how wicked God is. He has become an agnostic. Do you see? Because he was not, the writing was not said to him. He didn't understand who this God is. If you don't understand who God is, God is thoroughly good. <laughs> God is thoroughly good. You always forget, Christians always forget that there's a, there's a devil who does not like them. And there's a devil who, I mean, a child was born without some parts of the body formed or something happening. And, and then everybody says, it's God, God it's God who did it. How can you say it's God who did it? God is not in complete control of everything. You know what I said? What did I say? Do you agree? Okay, if you don't agree, is God in complete control of, of, of everything you see? Is he? Just, let's just consider you to start with. Look at some of the things you have said in your life. Was it God who inspired you to say what you said? Look at some of the things you have done in your life. Was it God who inspired you? So is God in control of your life entirely? He is not. So how can you say God is in control of everything? He's not in control of everything. He's in control of the things that we allow him to be in charge of. Please, you understand what I'm saying? Or you don't understand what I'm saying? Yes. There's a devil who came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His aim is to destroy. His aim is to... Anything that is associated with destruction, you should know who is, who is involved. You should know. Someone said, how about the Old Testament? This God who gave instructions that people should be killed and people should be whatever. God sits as judge. Tony, but God sits as judge. I don't know if a judge, if you were a judge and your son did something wrong. Okay? And the law say that your son killed somebody. He killed five people. It cannot be a mistake. He killed five people. And the law says that he must, anyone who does that must go to jail. Okay? And you are the father of this boy who has done this. God forbid, but you are the father of this boy who has done, killed five people. And you are the judge as well. What will you do? Will you say because he's my son, he's exempted? No one is above the law. Is he exempted? He's not exempted. Exempted. Will you judge as you're supposed to? You will judge as you're supposed to. If you don't judge as you're supposed to, you'll be declared unfit to be judged. Do you see? Uh-huh. So there are things that in the Old Testament, judgment was meted out. God was meeting out judgment quickly. Do you see? But in, in the new, we've gotten to know that Jesus has come to cover. So judgment is reserved for a particular time. That's the judgment will come one day. But now, the Lord is not sitting on the throne of judgment. He's sitting on the throne of grace. Ready to help his people. Ready to help his, his children. God does not take pleasure in the death of an unrighteous man. That's in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Not willing that any man should perish. 3, 9. Second Peter. 3, 9. Okay, I missed it by one verse. 
Look at this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, well, not willing that any should perish. Have you seen it? God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. Hallelujah. So you must, you must find out this, what this God is, is saying and who he is. What is going on now? So that you can know how to relate with him. And not accuse him for things he has not done. He didn't, do, he didn't take your mother. He didn't take your father. Someone was told that God needed him more than you do. For what, therefore, what? What is he going to use, do him, use him for? Sometimes some actions that are taken by individuals leads to their death. Do you see? You are not eating right. You are not resting well. God is not in control of everything. There was a wonderful man of God who died because of exhaustion earlier on this year. Exhaustion killed him. When they checked his autopsy, he was too tired. He had overworked himself. Yes, and he had done it for about six years or seven years continuously. So he, he, the exhaustion killed him. So, God is not in control of everything. There are things that we do. Do you see? Uh, or there are things we don't do. That gives the devil a right. You know, legalities. If you've heard that message by Reverend George, it will, it will really help you. There are things that you will do that will allow the devil to have an inroad into your life. Okay? But as for God, he's totally good. He's totally good. And it is his goodness he expresses towards us now. The good news is that Jesus has died for your sin and has removed it completely. And that God is now good. God, there's, there's peace between you and God. And therefore now you are qualified to stand in the place of his grace and receive unmerited favor even though you are not correct. That's the gospel. It's called too good to be true news. God's like, I'm not, I have not done anything. I'm not correct. That is why Jesus came. You are not correct. That's why Jesus came. You couldn't have been correct. All that I just said is in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. <laughs> okay, and now, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by our faith in Jesus Christ, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are made right with God. Tell me, but you are made right with God. When you believe in Jesus Christ. How many of you agree? I'm not the one saying it is in the Bible. He says that, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, go back to the verse before this, which is Romans 4, 25. NLT. He says, Jesus was handed over to die because of what? Because of what? Because of what? Why was he handed over to die? Why was he handed over to die? So if you are carrying your sin around again, what is wrong with you? Or when a preacher is telling you that because of you did this, you did that, you did that, God is not happy with you. I feel you are not understanding what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. A preacher come, you did this, you did that, you did that, you did that, you did that. Because of that, God is chasing you. You will see. You will see. No. The born again experience is good enough. It takes away sin. That's what Jesus said. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. So his resurrection is as a result of our righteousness. Yeah. 
and his death is as a result of our sins. It's called too good to be true. Listen, you can attract more termites with honey than you can with vinegar. Oh, yes. Do you understand what I just said? You can attract more what? Termites. Termites with honey than you can with vinegar. And you're preaching, preaching to everybody. You are wrong. God is coming for you. And you are wondering why people are not minding you. They are not minding you because you are not doing the right. Romans chapter, chapter 2 verse 4. Look at Romans 2 4. This is the gospel. What is the gospel? Don't, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It is God's kindness that turns you to, to, from wrong to, to doing the right thing. The King James says that, no, don't you know that the goodness, it is the goodness or the spice that the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long, and, and, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. This is honey attracting more termites than vinegar. Talking about the goodness of God is all this change. Not talking about how wicked God is and how God is coming after the people and how that is not the gospel. The gospel is that you are at peace with God. It's all over in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed. Behold, all things are become new. And all these new things are of God. Who has? This God has reconciled us, verse 18, to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You don't understand this, so you didn't understand all that I said. Go back to verse 18. Let's read NLT. New Living Translation. It's it's living. It says, and all of this is a gift from God. The new creation is all a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself? God himself brought us back to himself. Sin separated us from God. God dealt with sin so that he can bring us close to him. And all of this is, is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Next verse. For God was in Christ. God was where? In Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. All over. It's clear. Is English. Eighteen and nineteen. Is English. And God has He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So that's it's a message of reconciliation that has been given, not a message of condemnation, a message of pointing fingers at God's people, telling them how how much how wrong they are, telling them you you are going to hell, you you are this is going to happen to you, you will see. No, God, you are not going to see Shelley. The Lord says he likes you, he's with you. That's, that's basically it. And if you cannot see how much God has loved you, then you can't love him back. It's called the love of God in Christ Jesus. What you think God does not like and hates and hates about you, he actually does not mind. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You too, you don't know what Christ has done for you. If you don't know what God has done for you in Christ, you also don't know. That's why you are behaving like that. That's why I'm talking to you. So that you can know what God has done for you in Christ. 
You feel like the sin, your sins is more than what Jesus. I cannot. Jesus's blood is not good enough. You have over Jesus. You cannot over Jesus. Listen, how many of you know Paul, aka Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus was a murderer. Hmm? He was what? Is it true? He killed, he assisted in killing Stephen. He assisted in killing several other Christians because he thought he was doing that for the, for the Lord. This, this new group that has started that is against Judaism, we must deal with them. So he was killing in the name of God. And it's happening today. There are people who kill in the name of God. They think they are doing God a service by killing some people. But God has not sent them. They are also there. Okay? This same Medra is the one who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He wrote what? Two thirds. When we mention Jesus, the next person we mention mostly in church is in any church is Paul. What was his history? Medra. So you are here. You say, I've done abortion. So my sin is bigger than Jesus' blood. Paul was a murderer. Jesus' blood was good for him. And he, for, he forgot. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forget what is behind you. Forget what happened in times. It's because you keep thinking, remembering the things that you have done. Every now and then, you'll be there. And then the devil will start playing some things into your mind. You remember this. You remember you did this. And then, oh, <laughs> oh Lord. Your worship is fake. You are crying. Not because you love the Lord. You are crying because you feel how wrong you are and how God will forgive you. God forgive me. Meanwhile, God forgave you in Christ. Long ago. Long ago. Paul was a murderer. Moses. The writer of the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. was what? He was also a former murderer. I'm not saying go and murder somebody and say that. By the grace. Let me explain that. Okay. Okay, let me let me say. So Moses was Moses was also but he forget about your past. You flow with the with the Lord. David, the sweet psalmist. David the king, a man after God's heart, was involved in murdering someone's husband and took the person's wife. I tell you, I mean how many of you have done that since you came? You you murdered somebody and took the person's wife. You have not you He authored the book of Psalms. Authored so many nice things. Said so many things about God. I was very close to God. So don't let your past sins like, become so, it's like it's so great. And when I say your past sins, it includes what you did this morning or last night. Hey! Don't let it become like it's so much you don't want to be around, you don't want to be now, you don't want to come close. No, you, you, you are in, you are doing, it's when we do foolish things, it's, it's because we don't understand some things. Foolish things as, as a result of not understanding. You see, let me, let me share something with you. Okay, First John 4, verse 19. I, I've mentioned it a number of times. Apostle John, the divine, you know, this guy was so close to Jesus. Uh, he called himself the one whom Jesus loves. So close to Jesus. This is a guy they tried to fry. They put him in boiling, hot boiling oil, and he didn't fry. He came out. 
they tried to chop off his head with an axe. The axe broke. The metal broke and he was still alive. Superman, I tell you. They pierced him with the sword. They didn't go. They did all kinds of things and they didn't go. This guy understood the love of God. So he experienced the power of God in his life. He understood the love of Jesus for him. And he had his eyes on Jesus all the time. And it, it was so mighty in his life. So he's around writing these things. He says, we love him. Our love for him is based on his love for us. We love him because he first loved us. Understanding how much God loves you and understanding how much God is not chasing you to destroy you will help you to be able to return your love back to him. It's your closeness to God, your relationship with how close you are to God depends on how much you understand his love for you. You don't understand his love for you. You always think that you suspect God. You always suspect God. Have you read Psalm 103? Before, let me, let me read some things in Psalm 103 for you. Psalm 103 from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He's, this is a psalm concerning God and who he is and what he does. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God forgiveth all thy iniquities. This is the normal cardinal thing. He forgives what? All. Is this some? No. All. 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 Say all. 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 In the Old Testament, God gave them strict instructions concerning the building of the Ark of Covenant and the building of the Tabernacle and all of that. Everything was, there were strict instructions concerning how they were supposed to build it. God showed Moses the pattern, how it was supposed to be done. When it came to building the Temple of Solomon, God gave David strict instructions. He showed him the pattern. He gave him the architectural design. Showed him how every single thing, the measurements, every single thing. How supposed, and you're not supposed to miss it by an inch. Because everything in the, in the, in the, in the tabernacle, in the Ark of Covenant, in the tabernacle, in the colors that were used, everything represents Jesus and his work. The same thing happened with the, the temple. Everything in the temple of Solomon represented was represented, or represented Jesus and his finished work. Now, if you look at the um, Ark of Covenant, if you look at how it was made, it's all these sort of, all these things I'm saying are in uh, Exodus. You see some in Exodus 25, Exodus uh, 33, all those places, okay? Exodus 34, 35. They gave instructions concerning, God gave instructions concerning how the Ark of Covenant was supposed to be made. The Ark of Covenant was supposed to be made of wood. They made it of wood. Wood represents humanity. And God chose a, a specific wood. He said acacia wood. And acacia wood is, represents uncorrupt, uncorruptness. Acacia represents incorruption or un, uh, uh, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Something that does not decay. Jesus came as a man. But Jesus' humanity had no decay in it. So actually the wood represented Jesus. And how his, 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 uh, his life was full of goodness. He never did anything wrong. There was no corruption found in him. It was made of wood and overlaid with gold. The gold represents divinity, righteousness, the life of God. Jesus was both man and God fully. So the gold represents Jesus as well. The wood represents Jesus. The gold represents Jesus. And then on top of the Ark of Covenant was a lid, which was called the, it's called the Kaporeth, uh, which is the mercy seat, having two cherubims on it. The mercy seat represents Jesus as well. 
That was where God, God, God sat there. God sat on, that was the throne of God amongst his people. God sat there. Do you see? That was a place of propitiation. And the Bible talks about, it's all over in the Bible, how Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Do you see? Jesus is the offering, Jesus is the high priest, and Jesus is the one who sits on the mercy to receive the offering and declare not guilty. When God saw the blood of the lamb on that particular mercy seat, he said, it's okay, there's no problem between him and, and Israel. And I've said it so many times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope you are following me. Yes. Now, God gave instructions concerning some things being put in the Ark of Covenant. There were three things that were put in the Ark of Covenant. You can look for them and put it up. Three things. The first one was the Ten Commandments. The, the stones upon which God wrote the Ten Commandments was the first thing that was put inside the Ark of Covenant. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 4. Hebrews 9, verse 4. Let's read from, uh, okay, it's fine. Which had the golden censer and the Ark of Covenant overlaid, overlaid round about with gold. Then it says, in the Ark of Covenant, inside the Ark of Covenant was the golden pot that had manna. Have you seen it? And Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. And the tables of the covenant. Let's read the lighter, but you know, they know what I'm talking about. It is, in it were the gold altar for the burning of the incense and the covenant box all covered with gold and containing the gold jar with the manna in it, Aaron's stick that had sprouted leaves and the two stones, stone tablets with the commandments written on them. So it's mentioned three things that were inside the Ark of Covenant. What are the three things that were inside the Ark of Covenant? The gold jar, golden pot. Go, go back to King James. Gold jar, we don't understand gold jar. Go back to King James, please. Golden pot that had the manna. Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. So the, the, I'm starting from the down to the top. So the first thing that we find is the table of covenant. That represents God's rules and God's commandments, isn't it? Yeah. When God gave a, uh, Moses this commandment and he came down the mountain, before he even came down the mountain, in the middle of the mountain, when he met Joshua and were going down, he said, ah, I'm hearing some dancing in the camp. Is there a war or something? Joshua said, I, I, maybe there are, there's a war or something. Moses said, no, it's not war. It's a party I'm hearing. These people, they have disobeyed God even before God comes to bring them their call. You see, well, before, before Moses climbed out the mountain, he asked them, will you do all that God says you should do? They said, hey, we do everything. Everything. Eh? Is this, is Exodus 32. <laughs> And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as he shouted, he said unto Moses, There's, this is the noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is, is, it, is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that do sing, uh, that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf. See, <laughs> Aaron had made a golden calf. He had taken the earrings and all of, all of those things, the gold that he had, and had made a golden calf for them. Because the people said, this Moses that has gone into the, mount, into the mountain, it's been so long, he's not coming down, maybe he's dead. Uh, Charlie, let's make us a, a, a God. They, told, they said, up, make us God. See, they told Aaron, make us a God. And Aaron made a golden calf and said that this is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Yes. Now, before Moses climbed up into the mountain, 
God came down, spoke to them, and said that he's going to bring commandments. Will they follow? They said, we will follow all our children. We swear. All of our children. We will all follow. They swore. We will do all the things that you say we should do. We will do. Can you help me find some of these verses? I, I, I felt I would just tell the story, but it's like you, we want to see the verses, so it would be good to see them. The guy said, oh, we'll do everything. Go back to seven. This is how human beings are. And it shall be unto me a holy, a kingdom of priests. God is talking. And an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Verse 7. And Moses came and called for the children, the elders of the people, and laid before their face all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, Can we say it together? One, two, let's be part of them. One, two, go. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Moses said, they say they will do everything that you say they should do. So by chapter 20, Moses had gone into the mountain. Amen. Going to collect 10 commandments and come. Charlie, the guy collected the 10 commandments that they say they will do. When he got down the mountain, they had broken the very first rule. The first rule was that the first commandment is that thou shalt have no, the Lord thy God, he is one. And thou shalt have no other God apart from this God. Eh? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 2. This is the first commandment. Oh, am I lying? This is the first commandment number one. When Moses came down, they had broken commandment number one. Moses got angry. He broke the commandment. He took Josh, um, Aaron, was so angry with him. That day, 3,000 people died. I tell you, it was not a small thing. Very wild. He grounded the golden calf and put it in water for all of them to drink. Wicked people. It was so easy. And God told Moses, hey, you have broken my commandment. Come back and come and collect another one. He went back and went to collect another one. Now, the one he collected, the second one he collected, God said, put it in the Ark of Covenant. Why? Because the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the law, the tables represents the disobedience of the people to God's commandment. They disobeyed it. So their disobedience was put in the Ark of Covenant, which is Christ, and covered with the lid of the mercy, <laughs> the mercy seat, so that God does not see their errors against him with respect to how they broke his commandment. So when you remember that I've not kept God's commandment, remember that that commandment is covered, is in Christ, and it is covered with the mercy seat, with the blood of Christ on it, so that it is not seen. When God looks down, he's not seeing your errors along that. You've broken many laws. You, you've broken a lot. You've broken a lot. Okay. But God likes you anyway. Because he's not looking at you. He's looking at his son, who is the box. His son, who is the lid. His son, whose blood is on the lid. That's what he's looking at. Therefore, when he looks at you, he can't see your errors. He can't see your errors. The second thing that is, was inside was the golden pot that had the manna. The golden pot was a golden pot that had manna inside. The manna was a provision of God for them in the wilderness. God gave them food. And their response was, it, manna means, what is this? The very first day the, the manna came and they saw it. They said, ah, what is this? They started making light of it to start with. As the months and the days went by, they started telling God that 
we don't, our soul is famished. We remember the garlics and the onions that, are, that were in Egypt. It would have been better for us to die in Egypt than to die in this wilderness and be eating this manna, manna, manna. All that we have is manna, manna, manna. Give us meat. Give us what? Meat. We want meat. Numbers chapter 11 verse 5. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt. Freely they they were lying. This is human beings. Lying, they are lying. We remember. We remember the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. God, you are wicked. They told God, they rejected God's provision. God is providing for them. And they are insulting God. Like human beings do now. You will not be grateful for what God is doing for you. You have broken his commandment though. And the supply that he's even giving to you, you are not you are not happy about. Human beings are never satisfied. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. A Christian will never be it's like he's never satisfied. He, he a lot of Christians cannot say thank you to God because they are looking at what they don't have all the time. They never look at what they have. May God give you. I pray for grace for you to, to recognize what God has given to you and to be grateful to what you have. Receive grace for that in Jesus' name. Out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of them that make merry. And I'll multiply them. When you, are, when, you, when you are thankful, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19, and out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. When you are thankful, eh, and the voice of them that make merry, when you are grateful to God for the little that he has given, the way for the little to multiply. How did Jesus multiply the five loaves and the two fishes? He gave thanks. When you give thanks, thanksgiving is a means of blessing anything. You want to bless something, thank God for it. Give thanks. When you give thanks, it multiplies. So instead of criticizing and murmuring against God, hey God for what, has, what, what he has given to you, you are looking for 10,000, 1,000 are coming. You don't, you don't start thanking God. Start thanking God. The rest will come. Wow. So the manna represented God's provision. You see. And God made them take some of it. God told them, every day you shall gather. You are not to gather for the whole week. You gather, if you force on Monday, you gather for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You don't do that. Gather what you need for a day and eat. The following day, I'll provide again. Give us this day our daily bread. God always provides daily for his children. You may not have $10 million sitting at in your bank account, but God will take care of you. Hmm? Enough for every day. More than enough. Super abundant. So they are disobedience. God, they rejected. This is so the manna, the manna that was put in the golden pot, never went, it never decayed. It was always there. But if you kept the manna for a day outside of the golden pot, it gets spoiled. The golden pot is Christ. So Christ is Christ took <laughs> Christ took the disobedience and our rejection of God's provision. Do you see? So when God looks down, he cannot see our disobedience and our rejection of his provision but he sees Jesus he sees his son and how he has secured us that's what he sees I'm explaining who forgiveth all thy iniquities 
He forgives all your iniquities. Your iniquities is, can be categorized meaning, I'm showing you today. <laughs> Disobeying his commandment. Rejecting his provision. The last one is rejecting his authority. His designated leadership. Aaron was chosen by God. You read in Hebrews chapter 5. You see how Aaron was chosen by God. He says, and this Anna taketh no man upon himself. Uh, Hebrews 5, 4. And no man taketh this Anna unto himself. But he that is called of God, as was Aaron. When God called Aaron and said that Aaron should be the high priest, the people said, who is Aaron? Bad guy. We know him. What we do is he should go away. We are the way to God has spoken to us. Yes, God has called us. So there was a major challenge of God's authority and God's provision of leadership. So Moses, God told Moses, tell all the children of Israel, the, the various tribes, to bring their rods. Every tribe had a rod, a, a leader, a, a prince there. We told them, every prince, every prince should bring their rod. So they all gathered their, their 12 rods, 12 represent 12 um, tribes. And he said, bring it and put it before my presence. The one that bags overnight is the one I've chosen. God has said he has chosen it on the radio, but they were challenging God. Just as God says, pastors are my, my, oh yes, oh yes, pastors are my chosen leaders for my children. And then you see God's children insulting pastors. It's, 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 you are insulting God, insulting his people. Who do they think they are? All they know is to collect offering. All they know is to collect tithe. We are always speaking against God's uh, provision of leader, chosen Authority for your life. Mercy. Mercy. Thank God for Jesus. Some of us should have been should have, should have been stricken. Is it struck dead or stricken dead? Which one is it? Stricken dead. Struck dead. Long time. Strick stricker. Stricken. Stricken. But you are not dead because in the Old Testament you speak. These guys who spoke against Aaron. Hey. Those who spoke against Moses and Aaron, they died. I tell you. The first group to go to hell live were people who spoke against God's authority. Yeah. You have spoken against a man of God that you don't know anything about. But you are still alive. Yeah. God forgives all your iniquities. Say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. They put the rods before God. Aaron's rod budded. It budded both fruits overnight in 24 hours. Overnight, just 12 hours. Within 12 hours, that budded everything. Dry wood or dry wood, dead wood, whatever. It grew everything, bore almonds. Eh? Number 17, And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds, and bloomed blossoms, and yielded almonds. It's, do you understand? It, it budded and bore fruits within 12 hours. To let everybody know that this is the one I've chosen. Submit to him. God said, put that rod also in the Ark of Covenant. So that when I look down. But these are the things that make God judge people. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, judgment, not kill people. But judgment, he has to meet out judgment. When you disobey his commandment. When you disobey, when you, you reject his provision. And when you disobey or reject his authority. You should be gone. But we are all here. All of us, commandments, no, you dada. We are broken, we are bubu. We use it for what? For Chile, we are eating the commandment a long time ago. We, we don't, we are not happy with this provision. 
always complain. We don't like his authority. The pastor he puts you under criticizing, disloyalty, whatever. He doesn't like me. Someone said, I don't want our church to grow. Because when the church grows, my pastor, I have to share my pastor with someone else. And I, I want my pastor's attention. So I, the church should not grow. Pastor Lee doesn't have time for me anymore. Now that the church is going, he will not have he will not even have time for me anymore. So I'm praying that the church does not grow. God, God has forgiven you. Receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. When he looks down, he sees Christ, who is the ark. He sees Christ, who is the mercy seat. And he sees Christ, whose blood is on the mercy seat. And hence, he cannot see your iniquities. Go back to Psalm 103. Oh, yes. Look at Psalm 103. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Now, go to verse, verse 8. Let, I don't want us to read too much. He says, the Lord is merciful. This is the Lord. This is David describing who God is. The one who's, who is a man after God's heart is describing who this God that he was, he was after. How he was. How, or how, he, how he is. The Lord is merciful. And gracious. That is the Lord. He's merciful. And he's gracious. He's slow to anger. And plenteous in mercy. God is not angry with you. I was reading Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to you. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. God is not fighting you anymore. Let's read, NL, let's read NLT of this verse. Oh. Stop running. Tell everybody, stop running away from God. Can you read this one to me? One to go. We have peace with who? Peace with God. God is not looking for you. He's, you have been reconciled. You have been what? Reconciled. You have been reconciled. There's no, there's no, God is not angry with you. God cannot, I've mentioned some verses to you some weeks ago. God cannot be angry with you anymore. Look at Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. Isaiah 32, verse 17. He says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. The work of what? Righteousness. The work of righteousness shall be peace. The aim of righteousness is to bring peace between us and God. Jesus has made us right with God. That is a, this is the same as what is written in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Being declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. The work of righteousness is peace, shall be peace. And the effects of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now you, have, you, can be, you can have assurance that you can come boldly before the throne of grace without any... That's why it says that having therefore an high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be charged with the feeling of our infirmities. All the infirmities, the feeling he has gone through, but was in all points tempted like us, we are yet without sin. Next verse. And he's the one who is represented. When God looks at us, he sees him because we are in him. The one who is without sin is the one we are in. He says, let us therefore, because of that, because of Jesus, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldness, the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance 
How many? How, how long? Forever. Forever. NLT. And this righteousness will bring peace. Peace between you and God. There's no problem between you and God now. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. Quietness and confidence forever. God is not angry with you. God is not fighting you. God is not... I mean, you should believe it. Believe it! Believe it! Say, I believe it! You can worship without any problems. When you are worshiping and you remember some of the things you have done, then you lift your hands and tell the devil that all this is under the blood. All these things that I did, they are under the blood. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for me and my wrongs. Thank you for dying for me and my wrongs. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Peace. It's all. I, I, I have 75 scriptures coming to my mind concerning peace for you. So many. Yeah. Well, you can be confident before God. You have to ask in confidence. You're asking God for something. You're asking God for something and then you're afraid. Hey, is it going to happen? I remember. Oh, I just did something. Well, I did something the last time. I just. No. God is not looking at that. Feel free. Ask. It is the goodness of God. That leads to what? Repentance. It is the riches, it is the experience of the riches of his goodness that will cause you to love him back. Understanding how much he has loved you is what will cause you to love him back. When you love him, eh, you will do something. Look at Hebrews, eh, John chapter, chapter 14, verse 21. Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So, Loving the Lord has to do with keeping his commandments. So this is not to say, remember his love. He has forgiven you of all things, so you can go and fool around, and then you, so that you can make use of the blood of Jesus Christ. No. Let's put it to you. If you understand the grace of God, if you understand the grace of God, the effect of the grace of God is love. We love him because he first loved us. When you understand how much he has loved you, the response will be that of love. You also want to love him. And what does it mean to love the Lord? To love the Lord means to keep his commandments, which you were breaking before. Now you can keep it. The way to be able to keep his commandments, the way, the way to be able to walk in righteousness, to live the way he wants you to, to be well-pleasing to him, is not by you trying to please him, but by you accepting the fact that you are accepted in him. You have already pleased him. He already accepts you. When someone accepts you, you can now walk without any problems. You can walk freely. You can move around freely without any problems, without any fear. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. So you can retain his love. How? How do you retain his love? By keeping his commandments. Go to verse 23 of this verse. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, if you love me, the proof that you love me is that you will keep my words. What are his words? It's all over. He wants you to live in righteousness. He wants you to live a holy life. He wants to, but you don't live a holy life to try to court his attention. That is works. You live a holy life because you are accepted by him. Therefore, you are demonstrating. Listen, Christianity is found in 1 Peter 2.9. This is Christianity. 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen. Our living right for him is as a result of our knowledge of the fact that he has chosen us. And that we are accepted. And that we are precious to him. That's, that's it. But you were chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should, he's chosen you. 
For what purpose? So that you should show for the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our job, our, the reason for him doing all these things is so that we will showcase his light. We'll showcase his goodness. We'll showcase his love. We'll showcase his blessings. We'll showcase his righteousness. We'll showcase... That's, that's what it means. Yeah. If you are there and say that, oh, Christ has done all these things for me, therefore I can do whatever I want to do. Yes. You, go, you want to be an unrobber. You're a child of God. Now, now you understand these things. You say that the effect is that I'm going to be an unrobber because all things are mine. All things are mine. God has forgiven me of all things. I'm going to have sex as much as I want. Because it's all, it's, all under, it's all under the blood. It's all under the blood. Tell me about it. It's all under the blood. You didn't understand what you were saying. You didn't understand what you were saying. You don't know what you have been made free from. You don't know the danger of what you have been made free from. Sin is sin. Is sin is not good at all. To destroy you, be surprised. If you love Jesus, if you understand his love, you reciprocate it. And the way to reciprocate is to keep his commandments. That's the first thing. You keep his word. You dress well. Yes, because you don't want to look voluptuous for people to, to have a set. You don't want to be a problem. A suntidia. How do you say suntidia in English? Suntidia. A temptation. You don't want to be a temptation. A stumbling block for others. So you dress well. Instead of having cleavage, whatever. Why, why is there cleavage there? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll say, I want people to desire the sincere milk of God's word. What? So you are not dressing well. You are not dressing well. Because you want to please God with your dressing, you are dressing well because if you do that, if you are dressing well because you want to please God, or you want to have God, so that when you ask God for something, He'll give it to you because God has been dressing well. You see, me, I've not been tempting anybody, I've been dressing well. If it's like that, it's called self righteousness, and self righteousness is works and it makes you reject the grace of God. The cross of Christ will be of none effect to you. Christ will benefit you. Christ will not benefit you if you are living to try to have God do things for you. You are living, you are doing it so that God can bless you. Why are you giving your tithe? I'm giving my tithe so that God can bless me. God has blessed you already. Because you are blessed, you give tithe to support his house, to support his kingdom. That's why you give your tithe. That's why it's a response of your love for him. It is his commandments to give tithe. I'm not going to church because I want God to bless me or to give me something or to so that when I ask God, God will see and check and see my my church attendance records. Hey, Michael, he goes to church. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, give him a car. Give him a car. No, we are not. We are, God has not blessed us because of our church attendance. We attend church service because that is what Jesus says we should do. And we know the benefit it comes with. The one who is planted will flourish in his courts. We know that it is what brings flourishing. These are the, these are it's part of the principles that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has laid down for us to do. So we, it's obedience. We are just obeying him. Why? Because of his, of his love. And what? We hear because without that, you, you lose your focus. You will not be able to see him. When you are not coming to church, you can't see Jesus. You will see every other thing. 
you, you, you will not know the source. Just imagine if uh, you heard that your friend told you, told some lies about you. A very good friend. You break egg and lick together. You are very, your bosom friend. Your bosom friend. And then you hear that this guy has said a lot of bad things about you. He said that you're a very wicked person, whatever, whatever. It is wisdom to not believe what they are saying, but to go to him and ask him for yourself. Did you, I hear you said this, and I hear you said that. That's the wisdom of God. I hear you said this, I hear you. go to the source to hear for yourself. Not coming to church is sitting at home and expecting to hear <laughs> things about God. And then people lie to you. You hear bad things. You, you, you even hear gossip about God. All those things. And you don't turn to the source to find out what, what are you saying? When you come to the house of God, you will hear what is being said. Where will you hear these things? Where? Where will you hear what I'm telling you? Is the God has designated his house for his children to be there. He says, Don't fret. Don't don't take yourself out of the gathering of the saints. As the manner of some is. It's the manner of some people. They remove themselves. He says, Those who take themselves out fall out and fall, fall back. You need to be there. You are not there because it's the means of whatever. You are there because it is his commandment. And you love him. You, if you love him, you will do what he says to do. When you, well, if you really love somebody, you want to please the person, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You love someone, hey, that you gave the guy sex because you wanted to please him. I'm going home. He has been pressuring you, pressuring you. If you love me, if you love me, you do this. If you love me, you let me drink the breast. If you love me, you let me do this. Show me that you love me. Show me that you love me. Show me, show me, show me, show me. Before long, I'm showing you. Come. I'm showing you. Come, let me do this for you. I'm showing you. Hey! If you love God, you also, you also do what he says you should do. That's what Jesus said. You love me, you will do my commandments. You love me? Go to 23. Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will. He will keep my commandment. He will keep my words. And my father will love him. And will come unto him and make our abode with him. God will reveal himself more and more to you when you respond to his love. When you don't respond to his love, it's like you are sports brats in his house. They are sports Christians, Christian sports brats. Who don't know? There are two things Jesus said. We should do if we love him. If you love him, he says you keep my words. If you love me, he says you will, you, you will. No, it's the same. That one, keep my words and obey my commands, the same thing. But John chapter 21, verse 15. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. John 21, 15. If you, uh, he asked Simon, 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 love us me more than this. He said, I love thee, Lord. Yeah, Lord, you know that I love thee. He said unto you, feed my lambs. Then he said it again. Simon, love us me. More than this, someone said, you know, Lord, that I love you. Jesus said, if you love me, then feed my sheep. And then he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, I love you. If you love me, then feed my sheep. So a response to his love. You love Jesus, you become a, you become a shepherd. Yes. You take care of somebody. Yes. yes. You do something for him. A, a, a loving the Lord. He never said, if we love him, we should cry and worship. Never said, if we love him, we should do whatever. He says, if you love me, keep my words. If my words include crying and worship, then cry and worship. Keep my words, keep my commandment. If you love me, feed. So you keep, there are two instructions. Love me, feed yourself, and keep my commandments. If you love me, feed my sheep. Yeah, that's it. That's it. 
So why am I in ministry? I'm not in ministry because I'm trying to receive blessings from God. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to feed his lambs, feed his sheep, because I love him. Yeah, because I love him. Nothing else. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.